For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. That is Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. And welcome back to another edition of Bridge Radio. Thank you, everyone, for being here today. We got Rosaria Butterfield on the podcast. It is going to be good. It is going to be awesome. And the reason why I shared that passage is because today we're going to be talking about her uh, her testimony, her coming out of her former life into a new life. And that, to me, is the epitome go-to verse when it comes to conversion, when God puts that wedge between your old self and now your new self. And from this point, you're saved, you're regenerated, renewed. And I think all of us could kind of attest to that experience some way, some form. He opens our eyes to see Jesus and to see him for who he is and to see our need for him, you know, yeah. until we realize our our sin and our rebellion and our need for a savior, then we just ignore him. But praise God for the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. There's this one story by Augustine that I really love, and I, I, I might butcher the story, so forgive me. Um, but I, I know when if you don't know about Augustine, he was um, in sexual sin. He was a pagan, complete pagan. And I think one of the prostitutes came up to him after his conversion. And I think they told him, the She's, prostitute said, or go ahead. Yeah, she said, Augustine, it's I. But he said, it is, but it is no longer I. Yeah. So he was not the same person. Yes, yeah. he was not the same person. And and it just, it's awesome. And this, this program is going to be... Um, a good one. I, I, I already know it. And so, yeah, if you're new to the program, we are Bridge Radio, Bridge Ministries. Uh, Bridge Radio is our podcast, and we are out of the great state of Texas. Texas. And uh, that's where we're coming at you, uh, or, or broadcasting this from. And uh, yeah, we are a uh, reformed Christian bookstore, teaching ministry, and coffee shop. And so uh, we provide resources in English and Spanish here in our community and out into South America. And so uh, please check us out. Visit uh, bridgemanlaredo.org and uh, make sure to subscribe to this podcast if you really like it and share it. We're on all the major podcast platforms and you can also download and listen to us via our app. Uh, available on all app stores. So, also, too, if you're new to the program, I'm your host, Julio Mod Rodriguez, and across from me is the president, Mr. Steve Denhartog. What's up, everybody? And we have the lovely, beautiful, <laughs> sometimes comes on to this program, probably going to be coming on a lot more, so Leanne Denhartog. I'm so happy to be here, so yes. thank you. She's, she's so, you're so excited about this. I am. <laughs> <laughs> if, if For those who can't get a picture of this, she has... <laughs> and she's been reading a lot of Rosario Butterfield's material, takes notes. She's been uh, prepping for this program. Well, and I think God's timing is awesome. Um, we're actually going to use one of her books as our summer reading book at the bookstore. So I am just very, very geeked about this. Yeah. And what's what, what would you say? I know this is a hard, tough question, but what's one of um, her fa- your favorite books from her? Well, I still have to say it's The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Um, just because it's just such a great book. It just encompasses everything she wrote before and really how to, to, to show Christian hospitality. Yeah. But I have to say right now I am reading Openness Unhindered, and okay. that is a deep book. I mean, there's just I'm taking loads of notes. Yeah. Um, so that's why I'm so excited about this book because I think it's just so needed at this time to really understand what you believe, and there's such untruth out there. Yes. It is, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to be a good, and the one thing about Rosaria, and I love, especially getting her on this program, if you, if you haven't noticed, we do get on PhD level people, people who are experienced, who have studied the subject. When it comes to the topic of, you know, um, leftism or liberalism, even in theology, even with the LGBT community, she has experienced it and she was in it. And she's going to talk about this in she the program. She comes at it from a first person perspective, mm-hmm. yes. not just talking from the outside, but from the from the first person perspective. So Yeah, so it's going to be interesting. 
So, All right, Steve and Leanne, are we ready? Let's mm-hmm. do it. Okay, well, for those who aren't familiar with Rosaria, here's a quick introduction. So Rosaria Butterfield was once a tenured professor of English who identified as a lesbian and worked to advance the cause of uh, LGBT equality. After her conversion to Christ in 1999, she came to see the sinfulness of of having an identity apart from him. Rosaria is now married to Kent Butterfield, pastor of the First Reformed Presbyterian Church in Durham, and is a homeschool mother, pastor's wife, author, and speaker. She is helping Christians to better understand their LGBT neighbors and loves and Sorry, let me repeat this again. She is helping Christians to better understand their LGBT neighbors and loved ones so that we can lovingly look past labels of sexual identity and share the gospel effectively. So thank you, Rosaria, for joining us again. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah. So how has it been since our last program with you? I hope everything's well. (laughs) It's been well. Thank you very much. Yes. All is well. Well in the Lord. There's just so much I want to share. As I was preparing for this, um, and we were going to record two weeks ago, um, God's timing is amazing because I was reading your second book, Openness Unhindered, and the Mm -hmm. timeliness of God, just, you know, some of the things that you shared in that book. um, There's a lot of young people we know right now Mm -hmm. who come from families that believe in the Lord Jesus and these kids, right. you know, because of colleges and all this stuff are choosing, yeah. you know, it breaks your heart. And so yeah. I mean, we're going to yeah. actually use your book as a um, book club book for summer reading at the bookstore. Oh, and I'm so excited. I'm honored. But I'm so excited when Julio had told us you were coming on to share your testimony. And there's nothing yeah. better than the biography of our life to share how God has worked. Mm -hmm. And um, I loved a line in your book when you said, then one ordinary day I came to Jesus. And again, there was a lot of chapters before that. (laughs) Right. But, you know, um, I just think that's a great place to start, you know, to kind of, you know, like dive in and say, what what happened before that one ordinary day? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, what had happened before that that ordinary day was that... um, I was a uh, tenured professor of English and gay and lesbian studies, and I was very happily partnered to a woman and had co-authored the university's uh, domestic partnership policy, which was a precursor to gay marriage, and my life was authentic and happy and full. And um, But I didn't understand basically why people like you wouldn't leave people like me alone. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just couldn't understand why Christians couldn't follow the basic rules of leaving consenting adults alone. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I started um, working on a book project um, to try to understand the religious right, but also to try to just point out what I believed was the, just the, the errors of ethics involved in um, what what I believe to be just unleashed homophobia. Mm-hmm. And in the process, I met a, a neighbor who was also a pastor, and he and his wife and I became friends. And um, we met weekly to talk about the Bible and have dinner. And um, I probably had hundreds of meals at his house, right? I mean, you know, that just, mm-hmm. um, and and at this point, you know, this is the '90s in New York. The mm-hmm. the the gay community is being completely ravaged by the AIDS epidemic. Mm-hmm. Um, my home was open every night of the week, really. Um, but everyone's home in my lesbian community was open one night of the week, just to stand between you and suffering and um, a diagnosis and these kinds of things. So so it was striking to me that I had these. Christian neighbors who had this dynamic hospitality and I just couldn't, I didn't know what to make of it, you Mm -hmm. know, but, um, um, but I, I did, I was reading the Bible because I wanted to dismantle it. So Mm -hmm. I was reading it carefully. I was working through questions and ideas with, with Ken and Floyd. Um, they had become my friends, my confidants. I shared with them the burdens of my heart. They met my friends. They cared about my friends. 
Um, they didn't act as though I was polluting them. They didn't mm -hmm. act as though I was a blank slate, you know, all of mm -hmm. those things. They didn't treat me like a project. Mm -hmm. um, and then the strangest thing truly was that my life was a little nicer now that I had these Christians mm. in it. And I couldn't understand that. That was baffling <laughs> to me. Like, how did this happen? Yeah. <laughs> these are supposed to be my enemies. Um, and um, I, I started, uh, you know, they actually... They, they didn't invite me to church, with that, which I thought was a little bit peculiar. I mean, don't Christians always invite people to church? Isn't <laughs> right. that why you get to know us, you know? Right, yeah. <laughs> kind of get, drag us through the front door. Um, but I did start to go to, to, their, to this church, the Reformed Presbyterian Church, just because I was really curious. Um, um, I was curious about a lot of things. I was curious about why my Christian colleagues had a piece about them and even even when things were were falling apart i was curious about how christians reconciled evil i was curious about where god was in the suffering of abused children i had a million questions mm. and um and um and so I started, I started, you know, working out those questions and then it was really an ordinary day. It was a very ordinary day mm -hmm. and I was in church and I suddenly realized we were singing from Psalm 119. There was a, a line in the Psalm that really hit me hard. Mm -hmm. And I suddenly realized that maybe my point of view was wrong. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm an English professor, so the right. word point of view is a big word for me. It, means, <laughs> it really basically means from where you are standing, things look a certain way. But maybe that's not really the way things are. Maybe mm -hmm. it has everything to do with from where you're standing. And right. so, mm -hmm. so I, I, you know, it just, it just, it, it, it really struck me. And, and it was, it really was a question before it was anything else. You know, I thought that I was on the side of compassion and care and diversity mm -hmm. and um and human flourishing mm -hmm. but what if it was jesus i was persecuting the whole time mm -hmm. wow. and then what if it wasn't just jesus some historical figure like you know buddha and gandhi and that kind of thing but what if this was my jesus my savior my husband my king my friend what if it was that Jesus? And really just the asking of that question brought this flood into my life. Mm -hmm. And and I realized, and this was the most shocking thing at all. As all and, 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 and let me tell you too, that this is all happening in a church service <laughs> where we are affectionately known as the frozen chosen, right? You know, like- I know, I know, guy, I'm from the North. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the yeah, guy yeah. who's back of the head I'd been staring at for a while, gets a haircut every six weeks. He had no <laughs> idea what was going on. Um, but but then I just, I just wondered, you know, what do I want? It was almost like I, you know, what do I want, Rosaria? What do you want? Why are you here if you don't want Jesus? What do you want? And that's when I realized that I did want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. And I wanted him to hear my prayers. Mm -hmm. And I wanted him to tell me what the next step was. And so and it was a very audacious moment because a number of things didn't change at that moment. I didn't stop feeling like a lesbian. I didn't fall mm -hmm. out of love with my lover. I didn't, there are a lot of didn'ts, mm -hmm. but then bigger than all those didn'ts was the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And so it was a very ordinary day and everything changed after that. Mm -hmm. And it got worse before it got yeah. better. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm, I've made copies of, of interviews. Um, I keep files, you know, because, you know, my struggles are not someone else's struggles. So, so when someone yeah. comes into the ministry or just a lot of times Steve and I will talk at other churches and I just have my file ready because they'll yeah. come up. And so, so many times I've had copies of your articles like in Table Talk or oh. um, World Magazine, you know, and said, yeah. here's a resource. Um, Good. I'm so glad. And I think that's the thing is that we all help equip each other. We're iron sharpening iron. Right. And one of the things you wrote about, which kind of goes back to your point of view, was mm -hmm. um, you talked about the difference between sola scriptura and sola experientia. Yeah. Mm. yeah. You know, and I think, yeah. again, that is just so it's in the forefront right now with, with, with some of these conversations. It's hard to have a conversation because it's based on experience alone. And if you could yeah. maybe talk about that, I yeah. know you do, but. 
Yeah, no, I think that's a tough one. And I think, um, you know, each cultural moment has its particular idols that a Christian needs to know about. You don't need to bend, you certainly shouldn't bend your knee to them. But if you don't know about them, Mm -hmm. then you could be unwittingly just throwing, you know, sand or salt in somebody's eyeballs. And, you know, really for quite some time now, our culture has valued personal experience above all else. And we see it in expressions like, you know, you do you or, Mm -hmm. um, um, you know, and so, and, and I think a lot of, you know, these cultural changes that we just accept as very normal today, they came out of the 19th century. They came right out of Freud. And, 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 and basically, these, uh, the position is this, that, that you are a unique individual. True. True. We won't disagree right. about that. Um, and your personal feelings and likes and dislikes are what set you apart as an authentic person and happiness for you will be living out those those authentic um in inner feelings um in fullness and truth and mm-hmm. and that is very much the gospel of sola experientia or um which is just really a makeup word i should yeah, tell I you know, i know i know it just sounds good but yeah. <laughs> right, right. I, I think that was the six sola right words, yeah. you know, and they criticize other people for doing it so, yeah. but you know basically it's it just it just means that you know experience alone right um and and the problem with that is it works on the assumption that we are all basically very good people mm-hmm. and therefore our feelings are very good as well mm. but that's not the bible's witness mm. the bible tells me that i was born in adam and that means different things for different people what that means for me is that same sex attraction is a uh, like my thumbprint of adam mm. it, it means that before i took my first breath through adam i was set up to desire things that god hates Mm. and in that way homosexuality is not terribly different than than all of the other things now there are ways in which its expression is different and Mm. we're going to get to that in a minute but but just in terms of the imprint of original sin we're all born that way one way or the other and it's not good Mm -hmm. and and so every christian every day has to deal with the original sin that condemns and distorts you, Mm -hmm. the actual sin that distracts and enlists you, and the indwelling sin that manipulates you. Mm. And if that's true for Christians, imagine what that's like for unbelievers. But I think it's a hard question. I think for many people, they've only understood sin to be a matter of making a bad choice. Mm. For too many, too many evangelicals, we talk about sins, plural, you know, don't drink, don't smoke, you know, don't swear, don't fornicate, you know, I mean, the list goes on. Mm. Um, But we didn't, we haven't really talked, you can't really talk about sins, plural, unless you understand sin, Mm. our sin nature. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, when somebody tells me, but you don't understand, I desire this and have desired this from before I knew my name, as a Christian, I can say, well, I I thoroughly understand that. That's called being born in Adam. Mm -hmm. And that's the most democratizing principle in the entire universe. Mm -hmm. So it is a point of view question. It's a point of view issue. Um, Now, the challenge is not so much when unbelievers share this with you. The challenge is when believers say, um, but... I am a Christian because I chose Jesus, Mm -hmm. but my Jesus allows me to also be gay because my Jesus knows that this is my, my deepest desire. This is my, my, this is the inner core. This is who I truly am. Mm -hmm. And, and that's where we really run into just a very basic reality. And it's a basic reality that we all have to just we're going to have to vote this one up or down. Yeah. Hmm. You know, do you believe that you can arrive at a biblical ethics that is living a good life, living a life that's honoring to God 
if it is not derived from a biblical anthropology. Mm. Who am I? And I think the big challenge is that for so many years now, evangelical Christians have just had a, they've had a very narrow understanding of both sin and grace. And it's really played out in their conversations about gay and lesbian lives. Mm -hmm. Quite frankly, if your theology can't account and can't spread this far to acknowledge that homosexuality is a sin. It is a sin that God will judge and condemn you for. Whether you have always felt this way or not, your feelings are not going to trump God's law. Mm -hmm. It is a sin in its desire as equally as it is a sin in its practice. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, your neighbors who identify as a lesbian very well may be the nicest people on the block. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So your theology has to be able to go that far. And if it doesn't, you're going to shortchange both the gospel and your neighbors. Yeah. And because our theology has not gone that far, because our theology has really erred on one side or the other, on the one hand, maybe we've erred by saying it's a sin, it's a terrible sin, it's a choice, it's a terrible choice. Yeah. Everybody who's in that sin is a terrible person. And then, you know, our, 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 our good evangelical children grow up and go to college and they have a great English professor who's a lesbian and they say, well, that's just not true. Mm-hmm. And if that's not true, then I'll bet none of this is true. Mm-hmm. Or you can err in the other direction and say, well, but look at all the good common grace that our neighbors who identify as gay or lesbian have produced. How can that possibly, how can common grace come from a sinful life, not realizing that common grace is God's gift to everybody? So you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's a, it's, it's a, it really is a theology question before it becomes an ethics question. Right. Yeah, Yeah. And I was really blessed to have neighbors who got that, who could really call out in me the the good things that God has give, had given me to do, mm. and at the same time hold up the mirror of Scripture so that I could see that, that um, to live for Christ really does mean to die to self, mm. yeah. Yeah. and that that's not an option. Mm. Yeah, I had a friend who was, uh, she's getting her master's in psychology, and she had a professor who was a lesbian, and she had challenged her and said, show me in the Bible where it says that homosexuality is a sin and God doesn't accept it. And uh, she kind of gaslighted her and made her kind of question even herself. And I have looked at the arguments before for it, and they're... Um, atrocious, just to say the least. And, but, but how how would you deal with um, maybe someone who's LGBT or someone who professes that they're Christian and saying that, yeah, the Bible doesn't really teach uh, that that homosexuality is a sin, or Jesus never talked about it. If, if you would kind of right. talk about that, I think that would be really good. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'll tell you, I that is not like that would not be my first place to start, because if we're going to be talking about homosexuality and specifically my neighbor is living as a lesbian Mm -hmm. that is a very i mean basically what i'm just saying is the only thing i can think about you right now is that you're in a relationship with a woman so i never start there actually i mean you know what i what i start with is this um let's disagree on this and have dinner Mm. okay Mm -hmm. so let's not agree to disagree and let's not only have dinner once we agree Let's get together and 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 let me hear some other things about your life. You know, I mean, because what I want to do is to create a gospel bridge to my neighbor. And that gospel bridge might not be her coming to terms with why her homosexuality is a sin. Mm -hmm. That gospel bridge might be realizing that when Jesus says his yoke is easy and his burden is light, he means it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would I would I would go a little bit more slowly than that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but but at some point you do have to come down to to it, don't you? Mm-hmm. At some point you just have to come down to it. And so the real issue is not going to be so much what the Bible says, because those are very clear passages, mm-hmm. although I'll get to the Jesus question in just a minute. The question is, can I trust that the Bible says what it says, and it and it's clear? Yes. Or do I have to believe that really because, because um, the writers of the Bible um, were not born after the 19th century, and they weren't Freudian, and they didn't know what sexual orientation <laughs> was. You know that it's yeah, not true. Yeah, yeah. And so, so then that's a good, that's a really good conversation because mm-hmm. you know you you will get to a conversation where you have a very sensible 65 year old neighbor who's lived as a lesbian for you know 40 years, and she is a great neighbor and a good friend. And you want to say, okay, you believe that sexual orientation is immutable. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's great. But you realize that that the LGBTQ rights movement also do- says that. But at the same time, we have to say that sexual difference is mutable. Do you believe that too? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, do you believe that you are born gay and that's true? But the fact that you happen to have male or female genitalia is just kind of arbitrary and you can change that as you need to, mm. you know, cause those two things go together. And so one of the things that I've found is that the more that you understand some of the, some of the deeper issues in the LGBTQ community, the more you might be um, a better sounding board for some of those. Mm-hmm. But I see, I think the real issue though, is if you can depend upon scripture for anything, mm. not just sexuality. Right. Sure. And so I like to read Psalm 119 with people. Mm-hmm. And and that's really going to determine if we agree that Scripture is worthy to be valued in any way. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of, you know, Jesus, Jesus, of course, does comment on this, um, as most notably when he talks about um, when he talks about marriage and um, the, the male-female binary that is the context of that. And so, um, I, but I think this is where it's important to remember that um, we have had the benefit of reading the Bible, you know, year upon year, um, lifetime upon lifetime. We, 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 we never just extract one verse to make a case. Mm-hmm. We understand that that the the Bible um, speaks to itself, and that that it it um, explains itself. That that harder passages um, are explained by clearer passages. Um, but ultimately, we also understand that one does not come to faith because your neighbor beat you in a good argument about gay politics. Okay. That is not the Holy spirit Mm -hmm. is not waiting for you to become the apologeticist of the year. (laughs) You know? So what happens is that you spend more time praying for your neighbors than you do mouthing off on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Amen. You spend more time praying for your neighbors and trying to be some spiritual and earthly good to them than you do posting your favorite theological argument on Facebook. Mm-hmm. You limit the offense and you maximize the spiritual dynamic that is unleashed by prayer. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, conversion and regeneration is a gift from God. Now, you know, we all know that conversion requires two things. It requires both um, the Holy Spirit working in the lives of people, and that's why we pray, Lord, please change Bob's heart. Mm -hmm. But it also requires the proclamation of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Now, the challenge is that sometimes we want to do one and not the other, or sometimes we think that we're specialists, and we'll say, well, I'm really good at this part and not that part. (laughs) But We've got to be generalists, and and even more than that, we need to realize that in this particular climate, your words cannot be stronger than your relationships. Mm. Nobody wants to hear it (laughs) if they don't have a relationship with you. Uh, They just don't. And so so the challenge then is to build relationships with people and to build relationships such that you are able to move the conversation. Um, 
um, from, you know, just, uh, you know, the ball game or the, the weather or, you know, the <laughs> egg salad to eternity. You have to have a way to do that. <laughs> right. And it has to be very, very comfortable to you. It doesn't have to be comfortable to everybody else, but it has to be comfortable to you. And so I think most people haven't thought about that. What is the way that I direct the conversation mm. and that I move this conversation from egg salad to eternity that I can pull off? Yeah. And that's the thing that every Christian needs to think about, because we are all called to proclaim the gospel. We are ambassadors and ambassadors live in an embassy. And an embassy is a busy place where people have to change their point of view. Mm. That's very good. And, and the Lord gives us those opportunities um, when, yes. we, when we're faithful to be obedient to him. I, I remember a, a story of an an older gentleman that used to come in into our bookstore frequently, and uh, he was a Christian, and uh, he started out a uh, very rough life. He was in he was in prison, and he told me the story of a pastor coming in to visit with him to share the gospel with him, and he could not care less, you know, about what mm-hmm. the pastor had to say, until the day that he came in to visit him, and uh, this gentleman was was in his cell, and it was cold. And so the mm-hmm. pastor took off his coat and gave it to him, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and it was yeah. that that kind of broke right. down the doors and right. gave him permission to you right. know, hear what the pastor would say. Right. So, That's a powerful example. Yeah, it is. I was, yep. was rereading your article and you had talked about um, the as we practice the ordinary means of grace, Bible reading, psalm singing, taking the sacraments. And to kind of build on what Steve just said, that, yeah, when we're just already doing these things, um, as people come in and they share their burdens, you know, God is there equipping us. But we miss out, you know, and I know sometimes I've missed out either because I didn't do those basic things that I should do because I love him and I want to be fed by him. Um, And then some of the fear issues, which I kind of think back as as I look at my sanctification process of... Some topics I didn't want to touch because I didn't know what to say. And again, I felt like I had to know everything. No, um, right. Or right, afraid to right. show emotion. Right. But it's just, again, like you said, that yoke is light when you realize that he is the one doing it. We just really let him dwell in us fully. And I just, right. like I said, by reading your book, by reading Good Theology, and again, number one, reading our Bibles. I just, I have just found a whole difference in, again, my compassion and how I talk mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. all sin. Because I love right. when you talked about, um, you said the two chapters, one in Genesis and one in Romans, stand as the bookends of my life, but not just my life. Right. And right. again, especially when you flesh that out with Romans, kind of, you know, you've got the really bad right. sins, but then, wait, no, all of these sins, you know, we are right. all in this together. Right. And that we are all struggling. And I remember, too, um, you had set a line of meeting with homeschool moms and you said, like, I had to give up my lover. What if you had to give up? And the fact that you mm-hmm. realize that all of us are giving up things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They answered that question. Mm-hmm. Nobody said they had to give up, you know, painting their toenails in the afternoon. <laughs> everybody, <laughs> yeah. you know, everybody had really big things. Like I had to give up my anger because um, I've had four miscarriages. I've had to give up, mm-hmm. you know, I've had to trust that Jesus knows what he's doing with mm-hmm my dead children. I mean, like, these are really Mm. big, big things. But, you know, and I would say that it really helps to remember something about prayer Mm. that's going to affect the way we live in this post-Christian world. Mm. Sometimes you sit in your prayer closet and you're praying and you think you're singing a solo. (laughs) But Jesus lives to intercede for Mm. you. So at the very least, it's a, du- it's a duet. Mm-hmm. And mostly, you know, most of the time there are other people praying for you, with you as well. And the way that that should affect them, the way we think of, of, of opening our arms wide is to realize that not only every day are you, um, are you equipping yourself in the word, but at the same time, your neighbors are are losing ground. See, every day that you live as an unbeliever, you're losing the ground of faith. Mm-hmm. Every day that you live as an unbeliever, your soul is becoming 
harder and harder. Mm -hmm. Every day that you live as an unbeliever, your life is becoming harder and harder. And one of the things um, my husband and I have come to realize is that most of our unsaved neighbors, their lives are truly daily afflicted by either um, either abuse or addiction. And so be quick to say yes to people to help them because you might not get another chance. Mm-hmm. Be quick to give invitations that are open. I mean, it might seem very, very loving for you to say, oh, next Tuesday, I know I'm going to have be able to make a good dinner. My house is going to be clean. <laughs> you know, could you come over next Tuesday at seven? And that sounds very lovely. Only quite frankly, if your neighbor doesn't know if she's going to be saber or so saber, I'm sorry, sober, sober or safe. <laughs> next Tuesday, it's not very helpful. Mm -hmm. So to be thinking about having more open-ended invitations that are more regular, Mm -hmm. and then to be thinking of even preparing your family, preparing the people who are going to be there who are Christians, you know, all right, you know, at a certain point, we're just going to get our Bibles out. Or at a certain point, you know, I'm going to want to pray with my neighbor over this. Or at a Mm -hmm. certain point, you know, so you can kind of encourage people you know, to just just to remember something that you're not you're not asking Jesus into this conversation to end it. Mm-mm. You're asking Jesus into this conversation to deepen it mm-hmm. and to give us light and hope. Mm. So, in those ways, you do have to think about what you're doing. You know, the, your neighbors are not going to hear the gospel by osmosis without you speaking. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to happen. And I remember that, too, coming from the land of the frozen chosen, that I heard that so many times, like, well, I didn't really feel like I needed to share the word yet. But then they never did, you know? And I was like, right. Um, right. And, I, and I, I think back, there's times where I would always use scripture in my letters to people, yeah. um, just, you know, yeah. as an encouragement. And, right. Um, the other thing, right. I, 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 I had to laugh um, when I was reading your book, and I hadn't realized you had this musical training. And you talked about um, you'd taken a class on ear training and sight uh-huh. singing. Yeah. And that yeah. notes are either accurate, sharp, or flat. Right. And again, I just, I love these examples because they help us to see how we can actually see the order and mm-hmm. the authenticity that there is real truth. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also made me think back how God gives us these things to help us find him. Um, yes. I just think that's so yes. beautiful, and um, the stories right. of you singing hymns, um, singing songs, yeah. and I thought, what yeah. a good gift God gave you in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I would say, too, the other thing that's extremely important, though, because sometimes when we talk like this, our listeners are going to think, well, I am not perfect, <laughs> and I am never going to be perfect, and I am not an evangelist, and I'm not mm-hmm. a seminary-trained pastor, and... I think I'm going to do more harm than good if I open my mouth, quite frankly. And so part of what I'm doing is trying to minimize the collateral damage. And I think that's where you need to realize that if you have a really solid relationship with a person, you get to ask forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So let's say you are a Christian in a very solid relationship with your neighbor who is not And let's say you walk away from a conversation feeling that you just said something really stupid. You know, maybe the nicest, kindest, most Mm God-honoring, Christ-revealing thing you will ever do in that person's life is to walk across the street, knock on the door and say, hey, will you forgive me? Yeah. And, and yeah, we don't really need to know it all. You. Yeah, I just... No. Yeah. No, but, but if you, you know, a relationship that allows you to do good works, ask forgiveness, receive good works. That's a relationship that allows you to open your Bible and mm-hmm. say, I don't have all the answers, but Jesus does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I'm worried for you. Mm-hmm. I'm worried that you have become sucked into the idols of our culture. Mm-hmm. Every culture has idols. You know, when you study ancient civilizations and you hear about sacrificing children to Moloch and you think, well, what kind of barbarians would do that? Well, Hmm. maybe we're not doing that, but everybody, every culture is doing something. Mm -hmm. So I'm worried for you. I love you. And I just want you to know, I don't have all the answers, but I believe Jesus does. 
and I'm really sorry for what you've been going through. That is a horrible thing to have been in a in a four decade lesbian relationship and to have somebody you love walk out on you. And I don't know what to say except mm-hmm. for to say Jesus doesn't treat his daughters like that. Mm-hmm. And do you need help? Mm-hmm. How can I help you? Mm-hmm. You know, those are the con- those are the conversations that friends have. Yes. Those aren't that doesn't sound like a theology classroom because it's not. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's a kitchen table. Yeah. And, and I like how you share that, you know, Jesus, you know, had dinner with sinners, but he didn't participate in their sin. And I think for yeah. some people, again, we think it's going to rub off. But, yeah, it's just having that deepening the relationship so that we're there and that we right. do um, share the word that God will give very specifically according to the way they're going to hear it. Right. And and our homes yeah. are uniquely set up, especially in a post-Christian world. You know, our homes are, are set up for you to have a leisurely conversation that unfolds over years. And that's very much how I came to Christ. Mm-hmm. I came to Christ because my neighbors were willing to have a leisurely and long conversation that unfolded over years. Yeah. If they were trying to be efficient with me, you and I would not be talking right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm confident. I'm confident of yeah. that. Yeah. There's no efficiency in the, you know, the gospel bearing life. Yeah. People mm-hmm. are messy and we live here right in the mess of it all. Yeah. <laughs> and I love the the natural way that you talk about doing evangelism through those relationships with people, through mm-hmm. having them over for dinner, mm-hmm. you know, and then opening up your Bible and just doing, mm-hmm. you know, your your devotions or your sure. Bible reading at that mm-hmm. time. My, I grew mm-hmm. up in a family where that was a high priority. You know, as much as as I hated it as a kid, because, right, you wanted to get yeah. outside and start right. playing again. Right, there's but, a fort to build. Dad. Exactly, you know. <laughs> yeah. But I was just uh, speaking with a friend from high school. My father went to be with the Lord about two months ago. Mm. Um, oh. But he shared with me how much of an impact it had on him when yes. he was over. And my dad would open up the Bible, you know, yes. after dinner. And right. we would read and we would have our devotions, you know. Right. And so that has, you know, that was 30 plus years ago. And right. So, um, right. you know, it doesn't need to be awkward. Uh, no. It's just a natural outflow of the way we do life and inviting people right. into that. Yeah. Right. Right. And it's fine if somebody says, you know, and this happens a lot of us, uh, hey, Kent, what's going on right now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is this, a, is this some ritual that you do here? What is it? <laughs> you know, and, or, hey, Kent, uh, how much time is this going to take? I've got to pick a kid up at a baseball game. Yeah. Or, yeah. Right. Um, you know, like, it's fine to ask those questions. Those are great questions. Yep. yep. Um, this is this is this is our time of family devotions. You're at my table. You're my neighbor. You're my family. Um, we're just going to read a short passage of the Bible, and we're going to invite uh, Jesus to, um, uh, to 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 um, open our minds and our eyes about the, some of the problems we've talked about. And right. We can pray, and we can all pray, and and how can I pray for you? And um, we always involve the kids in the neighborhood. I remember a few yeah. years ago, my kids were a little bit smaller, and I rang the dinner bell, and my son comes running up and says, Mom, can I invite all the kids in the woods to have dinner with us tonight? <laughs> and I remember thinking, are there more kids than, than rodents? Are there more kids than squirrels? Are there? You know? um, but it's a wonderful thing. We've mm-hmm. seen the children in the neighborhood um, respond to the gospel in that way. And sure. part of... You know, part of what it means that the word of God will not return void does not mean that people are going to hear, you know, a three-second gospel presentation and mm-hmm. and fall on their knees right. and repent of their sin and come right. to Christ. I mean, maybe they will, but that's never ha- – I've not seen that. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. But what it means is exactly the story that you just shared. And 30 years later, somebody says to you, those mm-hmm. days were important to me. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. The yeah. word of God did not return void. Yeah. Amen. 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 Well, Rosaria, as always, with all of our guests, the last question is uh, is always about sharing the gospel. We know that mm. the gospel is the means by which the lost are drawn to saving faith. And That's so right. I would uh, like to give you the opportunity to share the gospel, but maybe in such a way that uh, may be towards someone who maybe is struggling with um, you know, unwanted sexual desires and homosexuality. Right. And uh, if right. you would just please share the gospel. Um, yeah, I'd love so. to. 
I'd love to. The Lord Jesus lives to intercede for his people. He he lives to do that. And and no one should recoil from fleeing to the Lord Jesus because of a known sin pattern. And in fact, I would say that the fact that you are perhaps struggling with something and the fact that you actually know what you're struggling with is probably one of the biggest signs that Jesus is working in your heart and life mm-hmm. of anything. Um, the only thing we bring to the Lord is the sin that he covers with his blood. And after we come to Christ, that doesn't mean that everything is is easy. All What it does mean, though, is that you have God's kind company and his power. The gospel comes with the power mm-hmm. to fight the sin that separates you from him. So what I would say to you, if this describes you and you're listening, I would say that this is this is your moment mm. and um and I, i'll tell you that it, it a life in christ has very hard edges there's no question about it but it is it is also an eternal and inseparable union with the god who made you mm-hmm. and also with the family of god There's no such thing as an individual believer. We're not just little atoms walking around. Once in Christ, we're part of a family. We're part of an eternal family. We see an imperfect reflection of that in the church, and we will one day see a perfect reflection of that in the New Jerusalem. So I would just say to you, trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent and believe. And... um, allow the Lord to work powerfully in your life. Share this with other Christians. Mm -hmm. Tie yourself in a formal way to a local Bible-believing church. And then share with that church. A church is only a, a, a church of value if its people share not just their resources, but also their needs. So bring those needs to your church family. Um, you will improve them for the for that. Um, Rosaria, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Yeah. We could, we, I, I know, I know, we could probably talk for probably another thirty minutes. I know you're busy and you got to go, but thank you so much for coming on the program again. Well, thank you. And I wanted to tell you too that I know that you are being very respectful by just reading the blurb on my website about my introduction. Um, you don't have to do that. If it felt stilted to you, like you're playing Black Back the show and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. it just feels really stilted, don't use it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, okay, I, just, I, I, got, just, I, got, I got good editing techniques so I can make it sound very nice. So, okay. <laughs> like if I never made the mistake. Or we okay, could just. Yeah. We could... No, no, it wasn't that you stumbled. It's okay. that it was written, that was written a while ago when I was having some sponsors be very creative in their okay. in their interpretation of me. I'll actually quote to you. One said, you know, come here, Rosaria, speak. This is a quote. The crazy adventures of an ultra-liberal feminist, atheist, activist, lesbian, and a fully tenured <laughs> professor at Syracuse University who encountered an incredibly loving and patient pastor and his wife. I mean, it was just like, oh, you know, it was so ridiculous. <laughs> I know. Things like- I mean, it was just like, how did, so- how did you know, come see the gorilla girl shake her legs. Or, you know, like, <laughs> I know. I I just feel like, does, do people think that the Holy Spirit cannot do his job? That's what I want no, to feel exactly. like. Exactly. Right. Right. Well, because we live in sola experientia. Yeah. 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 Well, we got to hype this baby. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. You, you know, so yeah. anyway, so if you feel like even once you clean it up, you're like, boy, this seems a little stilted. Yeah. Don't well, use it. Okay. Okay. Just don't say something wacky like that. Well, I, I, I guess for the sake, since we had already this conversation, I'm not going to edit it out because people are going to listen to this and be like what are they talking about so i'll just go ahead and leave it in just for the sake of the conversation so um i did have a psychology professor though in college that is the person that you described so that was kind of interesting (laughs) 
my gosh. Oh, man. This that's memory good. lane from, yes. That's well, good. as always, it's just great to talk with you all, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, and it's an honor to be on your show, so thank you. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you so you. much. All righty. Well, that's a wrap for the podcast. What did you guys think? As yeah. usual, that was... That was good. That was exhilarating, yeah. She's just uh, she's just so wise and, uh, and knowledgeable and just so humble and gracious. Uh, I, I just recommend everybody to not only listen and share this podcast, but like to read her books and to go books. listen, listen yeah. to some of her lectures and talks that, that she has done. And, and, and if you get the opportunity to get a chance to go listen to her, please do it. Yeah, and I think for me, you know, you, you go in maybe reading these books thinking, okay, this is going to equip me to better share the gospel, but, yeah, man, it really, you know, it convicts me of my sin. Yes. Um, and she really talks a lot about the word redeem as a strong verb, and repentance is, is such a theme. Yeah. And I think sometimes when we think we're so clean, we don't understand. Yeah. And it's just, I, yeah, highly recommend her books. Yeah. Brings it all back around to mm-hmm. God's grace in our lives. And uh, we can so quickly lose sight of that and, and not appreciate it like we should. So she, she helps us to come back around and to appreciate that, I think, once again. Yeah. She was challenging me in the podcast as I'm sitting there. I just kind of dip my head and I go, man, I could be so much more gracious mm-hmm. and loving and not have such a, uh, a rugged like mentality at some points you really got to humble yourself especially as a christian god showed you grace that was undeserving amen (laughs) yeah and and kind of your question you'd ask her because um one of her things she had written was um when sharing with someone maybe of that background it just says it is not that i don't care but if i start with her i start in the wrong place instead i start with the triune god and call out the soul orientation of any person with whom I speak. Yeah. Again, back to that we all are unbelievers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is our greatest sin. Yeah. Yeah, and I would like to share as well, too, is just kind of the theme is she's just saying, be available, mm-hmm. yeah. be be humble, and use God's word. Don't be afraid to open up the Bible. And I remember there was an apologist, and they asked him a question, how many people have you led to saving faith uh, in your apologetic methodology, right? And he goes, um, I brought... Uh, uh, everyone to the feet of Christ every time. And that, that just means opening up God's word, sharing them the gospel. And when you share the gospel and you, you open up God's word, you are bringing people to the mm-hmm. feet of Christ. And then his response after was saying, but what happens after I have no control over right. it. Right. It's the Holy Spirit's job. It's the Holy right. Spirit's job to work. We're just supposed to be faithful mm-hmm. in uh, God's commandments and be obedient to that. God's word does not return void. It doesn't. So he's going to accomplish what he will. Yeah, it does not. All right, guys. Well, please like and share this podcast. We got a lot more. I know this is episode number 86, but we got 85 in the past. And so we got everything from eschatology to uh, predestination, Calvinism, Arminianism, a bunch of stuff. So please go check that out. But not only that, uh, if you would like to learn more about us, visit our website, bridgemanlaredo.org. Again, we are a nonprofit Reformed Christian bookstore, teaching ministry, and coffee shop and we do this by uh, by providing affordable new uh, and used bibles christian resources reform books and, and a lot more we do conferences bible studies this podcast and so i also would like to ask if you would prayerfully consider supporting bridge ministries rather on a monthly basis or a one-time gift as you know this just allows us to keep going and moving uh, advancing the kingdom of God forward. Amen. We can all do it together. We appreciate your help. Yes, yes. And as always, Steve, what is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Amen. And uh, Abe's not here, so I'll do it again. Where is Abe? He's in Chicago. I don't know, man. He's uh... he's traveling the world. He's a businessman. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, I'll do what he does. Later. Later.